Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Before you close on a property, you better have inspected it. That sounds like an easy thing, but there's a lot more to it than you might think. We're going to talk about today examining the property before you buy on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way for you to get everything you've dreamed of? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2016 Goals Retreat, taking place January 8th through 10th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2016 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com and register why there's still early bird pricing. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723 today. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Big uh, hello and thanks to all of our veterans. A big Veterans Day celebration this year. You know, it seems like every year uh, people are paying homage to those in the service and those that have been. But uh, this year for, uh, I mean, look at the football even. Uh, football games, uh, all kinds of uh, acknowledgement to the veterans. So big Real Estate Guys uh, thanks to uh, all those that have served. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, sadly, we've got a lot of veterans <laughs> deployed around the world and have been involved in a lot of things but uh, thank goodness young people men and women are willing to uh, to go out there and and serve their country so we appreciate that hey our show today is going to be focused on uh, something we haven't talked about in a bit but it's a critical important step when you buy any property and that is the property inspection now that is a big wide topic that could be as simple as hiring a professional inspector all the way to your personal inspection, different specific inspections done by specialty vendors and all kinds of cans of worms, but it's critical. You know, if you buy a single family home today, it's pretty common practice that you would hire a home inspector. That's a third party company, typically a general contractor who will go through the home and a couple of hours and point out any major things they see. It is not exhaustive. It's got every caveat carve out in the uh, report. So you can't necessarily rely on everything there, but it's a pretty good first step. Yeah, we travel a lot. We do a lot of international business and a big chunk of our audience is in the United States and Americans are used to things being a certain way as a consumer, right? Especially in the real estate space, highly regulated, lots of things are required. If you have lenders involved and they require all kinds of things and it's really easy as a consumer to think that everybody, somebody else is going to do it, right? right? Think that everything is handled, think that everything is going to be properly disclosed. And, you know, the other thing is on this show, especially, we talk a lot about the importance of getting your personal investment philosophy and picking the right market and building your team and how your team is going to take care of so many details. You could almost make the argument that we kind of set people up to be kind of cavalier, like, hey, the property is the least important thing. But but this show is really about making the case that, okay, now you're, you're down to brass tacks. This is the structure that you're going to be purchasing that is going to occupy and house your tenants that you are going to be financially responsible for maintaining at a certain level of habitability and depending on what jurisdiction you're in and what type of product it is and who your uh, tenant is, you're going to have a certain level of responsibilities under the law. So they don't really care if you have enough money at the time or not. You're going to have to make sure that that thing is kept up to a certain condition. And so I always do the financial side of things. So I look at it and I say, okay, when I'm going to come in and buy a property, I've really got to understand where I'm at with that property and what kind of set-asides, what kind of reserves, what kind of contingencies I have to have in my budget to anticipate what is going to be my cost of ownership. Because if I'm operating on positive cash flow, and hopefully I am, I need to be putting some stuff up, getting ready for whatever's coming. If my roof is going to be gone in five years and not 20, that's a different calculation and on and on and on and on for all of the different pieces of the structure. So when I was in high school, I tore a car all the way down to the frame and rebuilt it. 
It was a very interesting experience. And I did that. I took auto shop because the way my brain worked, I said, you know, in my lifetime, I'm probably going to own a lot of cars. And even though I had no intention of being a mechanic, I thought it would be really good to understand the basic systems of a car so that I would be able to interface with my mechanic and make good decisions. Later yep. in life, I did the same thing with a single family home, tore it all the way down to the bones and was very involved in bringing it back up. Never done it again, never want to, but it's very helpful when you go in to look at a property as an investor to understand what the basic systems are and what are the basic things and where the kind of the bodies are buried and where you can really get in trouble financially. So that this show is going to be a lot about talking about all those different components that you need to be aware of when you're going in the, into the transaction in the beginning. Well, and it is important to understand that real estate varies depending on where you are. And in lots of parts of the world, it isn't automatic that there is a duty to disclose. In the United States, for the most part, sellers have a duty to disclose, as do real estate agents, any material defects or any facts that might inhibit a buyer from buying. And we just take that at face value. But it's not true. In fact, in most places, it's not. In most places, it's caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware and good luck with that. So I just came from an international wealth symposium and one of the things that brought up was brought up there because a lot of people there were Americans is you have to understand in some of these foreign countries, there is no truth in advertising law, right. right? They can tell you anything they want. And if you're dumb enough to believe it without double checking, it sucks to be you. And so you just, again, depending on where you're doing business, one of the great things about America is they do protect the consumer in many cases, but even so you can't assume that everything is covered. So, you know, get your notepads out and get ready to take a bunch of notes because this is the beginning of you creating a, a due diligence checklist. So you learn how to ask the right questions, you know what to expect. And hopefully we come away today with some things that you didn't even know you didn't know and you're going to be a lot smarter for having listened all the way through. So the first thing is why would you even bother to get an inspection? Well, that is because you aren't probably versed enough to see everything, which is why I hire a third party. And depending on what you're doing with the property, that's going to dictate what kinds of inspections you're going to get. I remember we bought a property that was a single family home that had just dilapidated and really the, per the reason we bought it was to tear it down and to subdivide the lot and to build three houses. Because of that, we scratched out the part of the contract that talked about an inspection and the broker was all up in arms that we weren't going to get an inspection and I finally had to say listen frankly it doesn't matter what shape the house is in that doesn't matter we're buying it for a completely different purpose so you need to understand if you're buying that little rent house to rent it out to tenants for the next 10 years then you better know what condition it's in because to your point Russ earlier you need to budget for those things it doesn't mean you wouldn't buy a property that was in bad shape you can make it a really good deal that way but you want to know. Sometimes I see these guys that go in and buy properties and they figure, well, I'm going to do a lot of work anyway. I really know the rehab. I don't need a third party person to tell me about. It. And that may be true. If you're in the regular business of flipping houses, you may know everything you need to know with a personal inspection. And really that's the first inspection is a personal inspection. You going through the property and looking around. Now, even that isn't a given depending on the marketplace. Many times when we buy investment properties, say a fourplex or a 20-unit apartment building or a 300-unit apartment building, we don't get to go through and inspect before we're in contract. In fact, many contracts have a subject-to-inspection clause or what we might call a go-no-go -no -go walkthrough. You get an opportunity once you're in contract and once the seller has accepted your offer and you have earnest money, then and only then you get a chance to walk through the property. So if I buy a single family house that's on the market, I can probably get inside the house. But if I'm buying multiple units, then probably not. Because again, the owner doesn't want to disrupt the tenants because I happen to want to take a look. So just if you've not bought that kind of property before, understand you might want to see it ahead of time. You might not be able to. Yeah, well, I mean, you can imagine, you know, how disruptive it would be if every looky-loo wannabe real estate investor that just bought the late night TV course or listened to the great new radio show or podcast about real estate investing and they're out there, you know, making a bunch of lowball offers and demanding to inspect a property, how disruptive especially a multifamily, how disruptive that would be to your tenancy. So yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. So let's say that once you've seen the property yourself, you decide, yep, I think uh, this looks like it makes sense. Now is when you'd make the decision whether or not to bring in a professional. And for a few hundred dollars, a third-party home inspection company can usually come in and give you a pretty good idea. Now, here's something I recommended for years. When I was selling real estate actively, I would always recommend to my buyers don't just hire a home inspector, show up for the inspection. Because today when you hire a home inspector, they're going to give you a really nice report, usually with pictures and a lot of descriptions of the things they're going to suggest that you address. But it is so much different reading it than it is standing there with the inspector. 
I can't even tell you how many times someone who read the report would be all up in arms about something. But if they were just there with the inspector and he was pointing to it, let me show you what I'm going to I'm going to write. Well, up I mean, here. in these days, you're running around with a smartphone, right? So you literally can video, take notes. I mean, you can you can capture a lot of that intelligence uh, right on the spot when you're physically there. And you can ask questions. Yeah. Rather than just say, oh, the GFI circuit has a problem. You go, well, what does that mean? Well, let me show you. And it can take a lot of the burden off, but it also can give you some really good gut level. If the inspector is saying, eh, I don't know, this seems to have a lot of problems with it, you can delve further into that conversation. Well, Mr. Inspector, you see a lot of houses. I'm thinking about this for a long-term hold. Are you overly concerned? That's a great question to ask an inspector. They might go, no, these are just a few little things you can bang out in a weekend versus, well, yes, house is getting near the end of its age life. How long does a house last? Well, that depends on the area, right? There's houses in Europe that are a thousand years old. There's houses that don't last 40 years in the United States. So the age life of a house is a very important concept. What are we expecting the systems of the property to need in the future? And so your first line of defense is a third-party home inspection. That's kind of the bare minimum. Unless, again, you have other plans for the property, you don't care what the current structure is, you're going to want to have a third-party inspect it. Now, here's the reality. Many inspectors will go through and point to other trades. They'll say things like, well, when I was up on the roof, I saw that perhaps there's some problems with some of the shingles. I'm going to recommend you get a roof inspection. Okay, well, a home inspection is not a roof inspection. Right. And if your home inspector, and that's why I like starting with the home inspector, says, you know what? I think this roof is not serviceable, then you need to go out and get a separate roof inspection. Yeah, so let's use an analogy, right? I talked earlier about automobiles and the systems, and I think most of us are familiar with that, right? But let's use the human body, for example, right? No, but my chauffeur is. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you go to a general practitioner, the human body's made, made up of systems. You know, you've got bones, you've got muscles, you've got your cardiovascular, your respiratory, you've got your uh, neurological, you know, your ears, and just all this mouth, all this different stuff, all these different components, right? And so you go see your GP and they give you kind of this basic checkup and then they find something that requires an expert in that particular system's exactly. input. And that, that's really what Robert's talking about right that's here. That's exactly it. And so it might be the roof. It might be the heating and air conditioning system. A general inspector is going to have a lot of information about how they work and is going to tell you whether or not they seem to be a problem and what the expected life might be. But they're not a specialist. And especially if you're talking about a multiple unit property, that's an important component of it. A lot of properties that trade today that were built in the 60s or 70s have general common metered utilities. And that's a big can of worms. That's a harder thing as an operator of a property to deal with. You may be in a big out value add today is to switch that in individual systems. Well, that's a special, that's not just an inspector. That's someone that really understands HVAC. And, and so I have another additional thought, Robert, and you can comment on this because you're much more the deal guy than me. I'm kind of the finance guy. But it seems to me that if you are going to be looking at a tenant-occupied property where you've gotten as far as to getting into contract and now you've got this contingency period, you need to move very quickly and you need to figure out what you're going to bargain for because you've set the price based on it being maybe in market condition or whatever. And now you're going to begin to dicker back and forth as you discover things, right? And you want to get through that discovery process pretty quickly. You want to pick your battles. You don't want to fight over things that don't matter. You want to make sure you do cover the things that do matter. And, you know, if there's backup offers and things like that, and it's a competitive market, you don't want to get kicked out of the deal, especially if you've negotiated yourself something pretty good. But, you know, to me, if you're only going to get this one shot, maybe you bring your own GC, especially if it's like a rehab or have somebody who's an expert who's going to be helping run your project. I'm assuming you as an investor aren't going to be doing the rehab. I would never be doing the rehab. But I might want to bring my project manager who is going to be doing the rehab, who isn't really an inspector, but he's the guy that's got to give me the bid and live with it. Because if I have to make a tight offer, or if I'm running on a tight budget, I don't want to put so much fat into it, especially if I'm going back to a group of investors, let's say, and I'm syndicating and I've got a rehab budget and it's going to maybe blow up my rate of return if I have to put too much fat in. I know it's one of your beefs a lot. We put together deals. We put all these contingencies in. It's like, shoot, we're only going to make like 1%. Well, we're going to make 20 if 98 things that we've all imagined are going to be a disaster don't happen. If only half of them happen, then we're going to make 12 or 15. That's pretty good, right? But does it make sense to bring a guy like that with you? Well, I think it totally depends on the nature of the property. If it's a single family home, you don't want to call those other trades and incur those other costs if a home inspector says, no, it looks pretty good to me. 
But if I was doing a walkthrough on a 100-unit building, I would have an entire crew there. I would have a plumber. I would have an electrician. I would have a general contractor, probably the one I was going to use or was in the running for or one that wanted to put in a bid and wanted to impress me. I would have a home inspector. And again, as we get into different property types, we can have some of those specific things. But the concept is a great one. That is the folks that are going to be helping you in this project are the ones that ought to see it early on. We're talking about inspecting a property before you buy. There's a lot to talk about. And we've got a great real estate trivia question that has to do with inspecting a property before we're done. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. Hey, do you have money sitting in an IRA right now, trickling along just a few percentage points per year? Or do you have money in the stock market or in a mutual fund and, and feel you're just not getting the returns you could be getting in real estate? Well, have you considered private lending? Private lending is essentially where you act as the bank and you lend money to a borrower. Well, with Georgia Residential Partners, we work with a number of different private lenders that lend money to our business, and we become the borrower and you become the bank. Your investment is always secured with a security deed in first lien position, and the loans are typically short term, six to 12 months at a time. If you've got funds that you want to invest right now without the hassles of actually buying and owning real estate, let me encourage you to reach out to me today to talk about plugging into our business as a private lender making double-digit returns. Just email me at ken at gainvesting.com. Again, that's ken at gainvesting.com. Look forward to hearing from you. When the housing market crashed in 2008, San Antonio led the way in appreciation and cash flow. Would you like to have a strong, reliable investment that performs in both up and down markets? Cash flow is the key to successful investing and we have tons of positive cash flow properties for our ATW investors. Come see why the Milken Institute rated San Antonio the number one economy in the United States and why San Antonio is the only major city in the country to have a AAA bond rating. ATW Investments can teach you strategies for building strong, secure wealth with investments starting at $5,000. ATW's patented, proven, and powerful system will do all the hard work for you. ATW is where the perfect market meets the perfect strategy and produces the perfect results in your portfolio. To get started, go to the resource section of the Real Estate Guys website or email us at contact at atw-investments.com. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. Come on out to Real Estate Guys event and hang out with The Real Estate Guys. You can find out what we're doing on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Under the tab that says events, some events are the events that we do. Some events are other folks' events that we just show up at, but we love meeting listeners. We're talking today about inspecting properties. It's not the sexy, exciting part of the business, but it's absolutely critical before you close on a property that you understand what you're buying. Again, depending on the nature of the property, you may be very hands-on in the process or you may not. But either way, someone on your team needs to understand the bones of the property. Does it make sense to put the kind of effort and money into this particular property when there's a lot on the market? And you spoke earlier about something we ought to talk about, and that is the strength of the market can also determine that. For instance, let's say the market is really, really strong and there's a lot of property, there's a lot of competition. Many times these home inspectors we're talking about get busy. Yeah. You might decide you want to sharpen your pencil and put a 14-day or 7-day contingency in your contract so it looks really good to the seller. And then you find out that the inspectors can't even see the property for 20 days. That's a problem. Well, a complete aside, but having a background in the mortgage business and one of these things that used to drive us crazy is these people would put in these financing contingencies uh, that were super tight. And then the appraisers were so busy, we couldn't get them out there for like two or three weeks. Yep. We have the whole file papered and we've got it in the underwriter and we're sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting on the appraisal. And then something comes back in the appraisal that nobody anticipated, right? And then you end up with a problem. So one of the things just kind of in basic like investing 101 is when you know the condition or the state of how fast the particular market is operating in, make sure you have all of these people. Don't go shopping for your inspectors, or your appraisers or whatever when you're already in the deal. Have those people lined up and get some sense from the people you're going to be working with what their current 
Right now, turnaround times are so that you understand really what you can realistically commit to in a contract. Because just getting a contract that you're going to have to blow up and walk away from or you know, are going to have a bunch of brain damage trying to hold the thing together, you, you probably don't want to do that. And it's a simple thing to do just by being a little bit more prepared going into a transaction than your competition is. Well, that was exactly the point I, wa- I wanted to make, which is make sure you understand timelines. And a step further is this. If you know you're out looking for a property... You're developing a relationship with everyone on your team. If you've got a home inspector on your team, you can easily set an appointment for a property you don't have in contract yet if you know they're running behind. Right. Hey, Joe, I need to get on your calendar as soon as possible. Well, it's three weeks from now. And that's a competitive advantage. Yep. Lock me in a space then. Three weeks from now, lock me in a space. Now I know I've got a home inspector online. I can always cancel and I want to give them as much notice as possible. But so that's the, the quick aside is to understand the nature of the market you're in. So now let's say that we call for some of those other trades. There's other stuff that, that the property we couldn't see from the outside outside until an inspector came in. They're going to call out for the inspection for other trades to come in and take those inspections. All that has to fit in your con- your inspection contingency plan. So to your point, maybe you put 21 days and the inspector comes out in 17, but then he calls for 14 other things. So it is quite common that we have to retrade. And that's kind of the terminology we use in real estate when we have to renegotiate anything. If we have inspections that show a lot of damage, now we're going to go back and retrade. You want to get out of the habit of just retrading for the sake of negotiating. That doesn't give you a very good reputation in the market. But if something major comes up, my very first listing we had, and, and it's great practice for sellers, agents to call for inspections up front. Many don't, but today great agents will always have the inspections done up front. Doesn't mean you don't want your own inspector. You probably do, but at least the seller has some idea. We had asked for a termite inspection right when we listed the property. It hadn't yet come in, and it was a hot marketplace, and I had five offers in the first 24 hours of my first listing, one of which came from my dad. We had a, an up call, right? Someone who called our office about the listing. My dad ended up writing an offer on it, and so we've got all these offers Well, we get the structural pest control inspection or what we might call in the trade a termite inspection and there's $35,000 of the termite damage. Ouch. Well, four of my buyers gone instantly, right? That's why you get your inspections up front. It gives the seller a chance to address that thing or at least price it into the model. But my dad's client was still in the game. They're like, yeah, well, we expected the property 65 years old. We expected there'd be some problems and let's just work on it. If there's $35,000 worth of damage, the simple thing would be Mr. Seller. We agreed on a price based on what we thought the condition was. The principle is market price for a market property. We've just discovered there's a $35,000 issue. Would you lower the price by $35,000? And many sellers would go, well, I guess that's reasonable. Now, again, that's why we recommend inspections up front by sellers, not by buyers. We're going to assume for today's show that you've not been given any inspections. If you get an inspection, great. My advice, again, would be get someone else to verify. Trust, but verify. Get another set of eyes. So now we've got the information back, and most inspections are going to have written reports Again, I'm going to suggest you're going to be there for the actual inspection if you can be, but sometimes you're buying a property a few states over, another country, or you work and you can't be there. If you can get someone on your team, your real estate professional, your project manager, someone to be there, great. But now you're going to go through and you're going to look at all the work that needs to be done. And this is back to that fundamental question, does it make sense as an investment if it has this much work? If I went through and my rehab budget was twenty grand, and now I'm going through my various inspections and it looks like the budget is twenty five grand, okay, I'm still within spitting distance and I might just go back and negotiate something for the seller. I might decide, well, okay, we can probably shave some off there. We can value engineer. We can get it done. If it comes back at a hundred grand, it might be a no. If it comes back at five grand, you're like, I'm in there, right? So you're trying to get your mind around, does it make sense to move ahead? That's the purpose of an inspection. You've already identified the market. You've identified the property. You know the tenant profile. You're saying yes to all those things. I just need to know, can this property produce the results I want? Yeah, and do the math, and the math will tell you what to do, but you have to have accurate inputs. And that's really what this process is all about, is making sure that when you're you're making those estimates, you really know what you're looking at. And and then the other thing, too, is you talked about like flipping. Flipping is a very different deal because when you're going into a property and you're going to put in a certain amount of capital and rehab it and get it ready and remarket it, 
those little $5,000 deals are huge because that comes right off the bottom line. When you're going to buy a property and finance it and hold it over a 10-year period of time, and financing is like below 5% right now, even on investment property, $5,000 is not that much money. And you may decide, hey, I'm going to make a whole lot more money by owning this property. Yes, I would have liked to have gotten it for $5,000 less, but at the end of the day, in the next 10 years, that $5,000 really doesn't mean that much to me. I can bid that much more high uh, because I'm only, you know, say I'm putting 20% down. I'm only going to have to put in $1,000 more cash versus the $4,000 that I'm going to be financing. And the loan payment on that might be a few bucks a month. It's not that big of a deal. So when you're doing the math, don't get so fixated on the price. Get fixated on what it's going to take to control the property over your period of possession and then decide if that ROI makes sense for you. And then part of the process is to look at the condition, which is now indicated by the reports of these professional inspectors, and decide how much of this was I kind of expecting based on the price I was offering, and what are the things that we didn't expect, the seller didn't expect, we didn't expect, because that's when you're going to be able to go back and negotiate. Now, here's a lesson I learned from one of my first real estate brokers that has saved me so much time and toil over the years, and I would readily share this with clients when I was active working uh, with buyers and sellers, which I happily am not today, but for many years I did that. It's this. Don't ever go back to the seller and negotiate for them to pay for something that you're not willing to walk away from the deal if they say no. Right, absolutely. So many times we would get an inspection to come in and say that two of the outlets were wired reverse polarity. And so my buyer would say, well, we've got to get the seller to cover that. And I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If they come back and say there's no way they're going to change the polarity in those two outlets, are you willing to walk away from the deal? Well, of course not. Well, then let's not even ask for it. That's a $10 fix. But you'd be amazed how many times buyers would take a report from an inspector and just say, Mr. Seller, fix all this. Yeah, there's cultural things there. I had a similar experience with a car. It had nothing to do with real estate, but I was selling a used car and uh, the guy wanted to get an inspection on it. Great. Good on him, right? So we went down to the Lexus dealership and they ran the inspection on it and he kind of looked at it and the car came back clear. It was great. It was in great shape. I was good as new. I took excellent care of the car. And then at the very end, right, we've already basically agreed on the price and the thing passed inspection. We're just ready to do the deal. And he saw a little parking lot ding and he wanted me to fix it. And I just said to him, you know what? There's a whole parking lot here full of new cars. If you wanted a brand new car, then you can go ahead and pay an extra $15,000 to get a brand new car. But I'm not fixing that. Right. And I, w- I would have walked away from the sale. I said, I-, I can sell this to somebody else because now you just paid for an inspection. And I know that this car is in great shape. Well, that's a great story, but it also brings up another really important point, And it's this. In places like the United States of America and other mature real estate markets, there is a duty to disclose. And when we have a duty to disclose, the seller cannot disclose things they do not know. Once you've done an inspection, now the seller knows because sellers get copies of every inspection that's usually in the contract. Now the seller has to disclose going forward. So very often we can use that as negotiation. If the seller, in say my case of my first listing, said, well, I had no idea there was $35,000 worth of damage. I'm not going to take that big of a hit. Well, you now have to disclose that damage to the next buyer. And therefore, it's not a matter of if you want to take the hit. In the market, you have to take the hit. Right. And it's not even just if you know, but it's if there was a reasonable expectation that you should have known. Yeah, that's another interesting point. And that's true not only for the seller of a property, but for the agent if there's an agent involved. We're going to always recommend you have an agent involved. It just makes so much sense for so many reasons. But sometimes people buy without an agent, and okay, that's a risk you're taking. And sometimes there's reasons to do that. But I'll almost always bring a great professional in to just make sure, because they're in the business of that. You're not in the business of that. Plus, they have other liability, and this is a value add they have. They see a lot of houses. A great agent sees a lot of property. A great industrial agent sees a lot of industrial buildings. A great retail agent sees a lot of retail property. A great agriculture cultural, right? All these agents are huge value add. They come in and they say, listen, having done this a long time, let me point out a few things. I have another sidebar. I know we're supposed to be talking about inspections, but you know, really having a professional who's experienced in a particular niche is, is part of your inspection process, if you will. That's the point you're making. And I've seen people who decide, hey, I've got a friend who's got a real estate license, so I'm going to have them represent me. They've never been in the niche. They have no idea what the property is. They bring nothing but the license, and it's really just a lightly veiled way to try 
try to save a few thousand dollars on a commission, which, you, you know, you, as a buyer, you're not really paying the commission anyway. It's coming from the seller. And then you're trying to get that. And then you don't, you end up with the wrong person on the job who can screw the deal up and certainly is not going to recognize anything important in that particular product class or niche. In the words of Bruce Willis from Armageddon, way wrong answer. <laughs> you do not bring in your brother-in-law to save five cents. That's the biggest mistake you can make when it comes you want a great agent and you want to pay him a lot of money remember the very first time we had robert kiyosaki on the radio show was before you were the co-host of the real estate guys that's That's way that's a long time ago long time ago and he talked about the fact that he makes sure his agents get paid at least full commission and usually more because he wants to be on the short list of deals. If you're in your agent's pocket, that's the worst place to be. And if you're trying to save a point or two points, you're in the wrong deal. Get a great professional. You try and save a few bucks on an airline ticket and you end up sitting next to the bathroom in the very back in the seat that won't recline. Okay, well, if that's what you're interested in, you know, you take Maybe a cro- get you there. I mean, there's a reason business people sit in business class because they get on the plane early, they get off the plane early, they get to sit down and be productive. They don't have to worry about anything. They're comfortable and rested when they get where they're going. And they're sitting with cool people. That's right. How many deals have we done because we sat next to somebody in VIP seating at a concert or in first class on an airplane, right? I, I don't like to pay for a first class ticket, but I fly a lot, so I get a lot of upgrades. I will always take the upgrade. It's a lesson I've learned the hard way because people up in first class, I mean, deals happen up there, right? It's right. Like people who decide to play golf because deals happen on the golf course, right? Or shooting ranges or anywhere, right? So that's a, beyond the scope of uh, today's show for sure. But we never know what's going to come out of our mouths. Hey, we're talking about getting inspections on properties and some of the nuances there. And when we come back, we're going to have a trivia question that is based on an actual property. And it's a great one. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real Estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. All aboard. Registration is now open for the Real Estate Guys 14th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Returning this year are sales legend Tom Hopkins, international developer Beth Clifford, attorneys Mauricio Raul and Jeffrey Verdon, and the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin. New for this year, commercial mortgage broker and syndicator Michael Becker, personal development icon Kyle Wilson, and Ken McElroy's partner Ross McAllister. And joining us live and in person for his third Investor Summit, Robert Kiyosaki. It all begins February 26, 2016 in Miami, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. This transformational week is like no conference you've ever attended. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 14th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, this is Gene Epstein, economics editor from Barron's, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. We are talking about inspections today, and every week we have something new to talk about. Coming soon, it's another edition of Ask the Guys. If you have a question for The Real Estate Guys, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on the button that says Ask the Guys. We love to get questions from our listeners, and we answer several of them on our Ask the Guys programs. Before we get back to the show on property inspections, it's time to play real estate trivia, give you a chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send it to us via email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. 
include your name, the answer to the question, and your physical mailing address so that we can send you the prize. Before we tell you the prize and give you the question for this week, last week on The Real Estate Guys, we had our show Fed Our Foe talking about uh, our uh, encounters with uh, Ron Paul and Ben Bernanke. Fun stuff there. Here was our question. The Federal Reserve Act grew out of the Aldrich Plan, named after Nelson Aldrich, who was a U.S. senator in which state? Well, Nelson Aldrich was a senator in Rhode Island. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. The Winchester Mystery House is a huge mansion in San Jose, California, which was once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of gun magnet William Winchester. It was originally purchased as a farmhouse in 1884, and today the home is a designated California historical landmark and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and serves as a tourist attraction. The home has approximately 160 rooms, including 40 bedrooms. It's got 47 fireplaces, 17 chimneys, two bedrooms, Basements, three elevators. Here's what I want to know about the Winchester Mystery House. What type of foundation does it have? It's a big old house built in the 18 late 1800s. What kind of a foundation does it have? Now, a couple of hints. One, if you know the lore of the home, she believed that the home was haunted by the people who had been killed by Winchester rifles. And one of the things she did to alleviate that was to continuously keep the property under construction. So it is kind of a really long-term rehab project, more than 38 years of construction on the house. But here's even a bigger hint. It survived several earthquakes. So if you think you want to make a guess or maybe you know what kind of a foundation the Winchester Mystery House has, send us that answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The prize is a copy of an excellent book, especially for those of you just getting started in real estate, called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy. That can be yours. If you know today's real estate trivia question, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. You'll learn lots of stuff when you get around Ken McElroy. And uh, one of the things we're talking about today is inspecting a property before you close. You don't have to necessarily inspect a property before you put an offer in on it. In fact, that's probably a waste of time. But at some point, you want to make sure you've gone through the property with sufficient diligence to know what you're getting. That's the purpose of an inspection, is to know the condition. It's not, to your point earlier about the ding on the car, Russ, it's not to make it perfect. No property is perfect. Now, let's get from single-family homes, which are easy to understand, to maybe more complex properties. Say you're investing in a 100-unit apartment building. People ask, well, will the home inspector come out and inspect 100 units? Well, they would, but it might take days. So how do we actually do an inspection on a 100, 200, 300-unit apartment building? Remember, you and I went to a Rich Dad event for a couple of days in Phoenix where Kenny McElroy, the Rich Dad advisor for real estate, and Robert were talking about investing in properties. And Ken had a great video he'd done of this very thing, of his team going out to do an inspection on a property they had in contract. And that's what he does. He mobilizes a team of people. And they generally will go through every unit. Now, sometimes in the initial stage, they'll inspect a representative number of units. If it's a 100-unit property, they might expect 20 rooms at random. You don't let the seller or the seller's agent or the property manager tell you which rooms. You pick 20 rooms and you go inspect as part of your go, no go. Once you say, yeah, we're going ahead, then you probably, depending again on what your intent is for the property, you're probably going to go through and have an exhaustive inspection. This can take several days and cost a lot of money but it is an ounce of prevention. Yeah, one of my favorite things that Kenny does at the Secrets of Successful Syndication seminars, he often brings in his team. He doesn't do it every time. And he'll he'll show us what he goes through, you know, the due diligence process, if you will, on the property itself. He also sometimes goes through the numbers and they go hand in hand because you're looking at the property, trying to figure out what numbers are going to go on to your pro forma and your budget for your plan. Well, especially because what Ken's model typically is, is to buy an underperforming asset that they're going to do work, they're going to add value. And so he really has to have his mind around what it's going to cost and what the return will be if they invest that money. Well, and a lot of times when they're when they're walking a property, they're trying to really get their mind about how they might change the property itself. Yes. They may add a washer dryer or they may add a closet. Sometimes it's outside and they have an opportunity to add covered parking or storage or different things as ways to find additional revenue generation, ways to push the rent a little bit, but by adding value, not just hoping the market gives it to them, but by actually forcing it to happen by changing some 
subtly the way the property is configured. And so, you know, part of your inspection, it may have nothing to do with the physical condition of the property. It may have to do with the optimal condition of the property and what you could do with it based on what the market would bear if, in fact, somebody with a little bit of vision came in and uh, and, and retooled that property. So obviously scheduling that takes some time and some thought, and it's going to be part of this contingency period, but that's why you've got to get your ducks in a row ahead of time. Now, there's other specific property types that have different types of inspection. Say you're investing in raw land. Well, depending on what you expect to do with raw land, there are soils tests you'll need to perhaps do. There are structural tests. If I'm building a single story structure, that's very different than if I'm building a 20 story building. I need to know what type of material there is, where bedrock is. I mean, there's a bunch of questions I need to know to see if that property is suitable for my need. You know, one of the scariest things I think about doing that type of thing, a lot of times we think, oh, it's just an empty lot. What could be there? You know, and you may not know that the lot you're buying used to be next door to a gas station, which is no longer there. And that gas station has come and gone, uh, but there was some type of seepage from one of the storage tanks. And all of a sudden, you've got all this toxic waste 10, 15 feet deep in the soil. And you may not know it, but you as the new owner of that property end up being financially responsible for detoxifying this piece of land. And it is something that somebody else did some time ago. And so those environmental studies are really important. You, Robert, you have a lot more experience than I, but I've certainly seen the horror stories of people who end up with a gigantic bill they can't get out of. Well, you've jumped just a little bit ahead of the uh, outline here, such as it is, which is just rolling around in my mind. But the next thing I wanted to talk about was this type of inspection. So, Well, your tee-up was great because it took me right there. Perfect. There's two big, broad categories of inspections. One is a physical inspection that must be done on the property with eyes on the property. The second is an inspection that's done outside of that. For instance, a flood inspection. If I'm in a flood zone, that's going to affect my insurance, my lending, a lot, my potential costs in the future. And so if you're in an area that's a 100-year floodplain, you're going to, that's an inspection that can be done from a map reading. The next is an environmental inspection, which is what you're talking about. That's a whole can of worms, and we could do a whole show on it if anyone could stay awake through it. But let's give the Reader's Digest version, which is this. In some properties, I need to have a Phase 1 environmental inspection done. And what a Phase 1 inspection is, it's a specific terminology that talks about the map reading of the types of hazards that can be in the area, like what they call a Superfund site or an underground storage tank that was abandoned from a gas station. It's a great example. We had that very thing happen to us on a property in Las Vegas. It was within a quarter mile of an abandoned gas station, like they just left in the middle of the night, but a place that used to be a gas station. <laughs> they ran station. out of gas. And they don't take, they don't dig up those big tanks that have been filled with gasoline and potentially leaking for 20 years. They don't take those with them. They just pave it over and put up a donut shop. So you need to know where those things are. Sometimes it has to do with where major utilities are, if it's a big electric substation or something like that. So your phase one environmental is kind of the cursory level. It's the least expensive and the least detailed report. Many times after you get a phase one report, it's going to call for another phase. And, and again, we're not going to get into the weeds about it, but it's a th it's a third-party inspection that you have done. And it's not necessarily a physical inspection of the property. It's to say, hey, here on the map. Same thing for seismic. If you're in an area like a California where there are earthquakes, you want to know if you're in a, a seismic zone, and that can be done from a map reading inspection. So there's infinite number of types of inspections you might get depending on the property and depending on your use for the property, but just consult your professional. If I'm buying an industrial property, many times you run into Superfund and, and other environmental issues in an area that has been primarily manufacturing and industrial, and so you'll see those issues crop up. Sometimes you're looking at a property for long-term hold, for production of income or for value increase. You don't know what all the issues are. Find out as much as you can. What if it's agricultural? You're looking to buy a property and, and decide. We went to the uh, agriculture uh, symposium earlier in the year, and that was fascinating to learn about the types of inspections, third-party inspectors that come out and do soils inspection, not for the purpose of construction, but to see what the nutrients are. And is this the right type of soil for certain types of crops? The value of agricultural property depends on what kind of utilization you can get. So from some time ago we had on the show uh, a guy named Juan Fisher who I'm happy to say now is going to be attending as a faculty member on the uh, 2016 Investor Summit at Sea. Oh, there's the first announcement. That's uh, very exciting. Uh, this, this guy's in a 
attorney. He uh, has got a practice where they help people that are looking at uh, real estate in, in Uruguay, uh, specifically uh, farmland and those kinds of properties. And that's the whole thing. And so Uruguay, because it's such a farmland rich country, uh, one of the things they offer is like this electronic database of soil conditions and the types of soil and you can go onto a website and actually look at how parcels are you know in terms of and it's one of the most sophisticated systems for doing this in the world yeah. and i had no idea i mean i just learned this just a little while ago it's fascinating but you know farmland is such a huge opportunity right now and of course the most important thing is the soil water and of course the weather anyway so you, you brought that up and it made me think because the other thing is i thought of you know in in san jose california for years and years and years the mirasu vineyards were all up in the east foothills and of course that all went away and somebody had to come in and they built houses because it was at least from a financial perspective highest and best use kind of miss seeing those vineyards there but it makes me wonder you know i don't know and, and i'm asking the question robert because you know you're more the real estate guy than i am but you know these guys use pesticides and different things over the years you know roundup and whatever who i've been reading all kinds of issues with roundup when a home builder goes in to do something like that and it's being built on old farmland like the house i went to i grew up in when i was in uh, you you know, elementary school, my folks had bought a house that was built what used to be an apricot orchard. And it makes me wonder, you know, if I'm the developer doing that, do I have to be concerned about those types of environmental studies the same way I would like if there had been a gas station there? Well, even more so, right? If I'm developing something, I need to know what those potential landmines might look like and what had been there previously. And sometimes you can find out and sometimes you can't. My second listing ever was uh, houses in an area you're very familiar with that used to be an elementary school. They took the back part of the elementary school and created 27 lots and had different builders come in and build property there and they were high-end homes in Cupertino, California. Yep, I know yep, the area you well. You know exactly where, where I'm talking about. They had to go through and do a study based on what now they thought, well, hey, it was the, it was the yard of a school, the playground of a school for what could that, nothing there. I mean, gum and the and the seats and stuff, but well, what was, well, it turns out that previously to that, it had been part of an old railroad and so they had to look at the soil. They had to, so there's a lot that can, that you can figure out. Now, here's the other reality of inspections. You can never get everything. You can't do diligence around every possible thing. What your mission is as a real estate investor is to figure out as many things as you can. When we come back, we're going to give some more insight into that. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flowing your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. If you made it this far, you must really be a serious student uh, into this show. Not the most exciting stuff, property inspections, but critical, and hopefully you've learned a few nuggets today. Uh, hey, come on out to The Secrets of Successful Syndication in January in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Beautiful time to come to Phoenix. We're going to have an amazing time for two days. You can get all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. 
Inspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspectionsinspection